by 16 or dead in the scene, but together forever. United against life as we know it. Let's get out of here. Think you see werewolves a lot? Did I change last night? Howl at the moon. How do you feel? Wicked. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Seat Struck Movie Podcast. It is a Sunday again, and it is October the 15th, 2023. And I'm I'm your co-host, Curtis. I'm here with my other co-host, John. Hello, everybody. And special guest, uh, Ryan, returning from long ago. <laughs> Hi, Ryan. Hello. And Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi. So uh, we're all big fans of this movie that we're going to be talking about today. It's one of my babies. Uh, we're talking about uh, my favorite Canadian movie, my favorite werewolf movie, and my favorite probably horror movie, uh, 2000's Ginger Snaps, um, which kind of fell on the radar a little bit when it first came out in 20, 2000. Uh, we'll, but we'll get into that a little bit more. Before we do that, too, we always like to talk about our news of the week, too. So lots to talk about. Uh, we didn't really talk about news of the week last week, too. So there's a lot of film releases since then, especially since we're all big horror buffs, too. Um, why don't you kick us off, John, with the news of the week that you have here? Uh, sure. Well, I know you wrote down some movie releases. And actually, I, I'll just, you know, uh, honesty to the audience. Curtis was the one who wrote all this stuff. I was totally delinquent this week. Shame on <laughs> That's me. That's okay. Um, it's good to be delinquent Curtis, you, you wrote down a list of new releases. Some of these are, are probably on people's radar. Uh, the first one being uh, the new release on Shutter, VHS 85. They just keep cranking these things out, don't they? Yeah, it's like uh, every month they have a looks- new one out. <laughs> Yeah, it looks pretty cool. I know a lot of people are quite fond of the VHS series. I, I myself, I, I just recently watched the first VHS movie, which I honestly didn't really like all that much. But I do remember liking the second one quite a bit. So just, I did um, watch. It seems I watched, like the production quality has gotten a lot better on these things too. I've kind of been de- devouring a lot of the, the horror stuff, so I actually did watch the new VHS one, and I heard it's actually one of the best ones. Uh, oh. I mean, with the anthology series, it's often kind of hit or miss, but there's some really good episodes, and there's this one home invasion episode, and actually. They have throbbing gristles, slug or not slug bait, hamburger lady playing, and it is the most best use of that <laughs> horrific song that I've ever heard. And it, it was actually pretty well done that segment. But sorry, anyway, cool. <laughs> not bad. I, I was going to ask though, everyone, are are we all kind of fans of of anthology horrors? Because I tend to really like them. I find they're just really easily digestible. Maybe like the ADHD brain part of my brain or something. <laughs> like I just love watching them. Um, the quality of them always is suspect, <laughs> but they're always fun. Becca's nodding, so I think that, I think she likes them too. Yeah, hell yeah. So, I like the the Dark Pictures Anthology Gaming series. Oh, cool! That's, that's, that's really thing. cool one too. Yeah. So, that's that's that's. I yeah. never have enough hard disk space on my computer to download it, but I always want to because I'm like, oh, <laughs> watch the idiot of the group die off, and, <laughs> and you can play co-op too. But um, <laughs> I've played all of them, but the Devil in Me. So not yet. Halloween, oh, nice. Halloween things. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. In terms of uh, look at look at this other releases. One of these, I think, Curtis, you watched as well. This is totally killer. I believe oh, yeah. the Amazon Prime. Uh, yeah. Is, is, it, yeah, it's really really good actually. Because I've been kind of you know, maybe I'm just too much of a film snob, but I, I haven't thought there's a lot of good horror out this year. And this one's with uh, Kieran and uh, Kieran and Ship Shippen. She's from Chip Chilling Cat. Adventures. Yeah, she's great. She's from the Chilling Adventures yeah. of Sabrina, um, and she plays this uh, this daughter, and her mother was in this like. Uh, teenage kind of slasher killing spree in the in the uh, 80s it survived and then i don't think this is a spoiler basically the killer is still alive and kills the mother 
And then her friend's building a time machine. <laughs> so she goes back to the 80s to, um, to save her mom and to try and prevent the, the uh, girls from getting killed by the slasher. And obviously that doesn't go so well too, but it's really well done. It's kind of like Back to the Future meets um, maybe like Scream, I, I would say. And uh, really, really fun. Not like it could go deeper, I think, but it was just really entertaining too. And <laughs> they have a lot of twists. And I think if you like kind of... Uh, those kind of films i think you'll you'll probably enjoy this one too but it was one of the better ones i watched this year oh cool stuff um there's also one that you wrote down here at last stop uh i think you wrote last stop in larima this is a new mm. documentary i believe right yeah it's hbo at max documentary so there's this uh story my colleagues australian so we always like talk about like australian you know stories and there was this uh, guy and he was living in darwin near darwin which is like as far north in australia as pretty much you can go and it's very like desert like there and there was this irish guy and um he kind of pissed off people around town basically they lived in a very small town and he he just kind of weirdly went missing one day so nobody knows really what happened to him but this documentary kind of dives into you know what it what what really happened and i heard it's like <laughs> i heard it's like tiger king but the people are actually likable so i don't know i mean i i don't know how <laughs> the comparison works but i kind of want to watch yeah, it I like a lot of those HBO kind of documentaries too, and they kind of fall under the radar. So I thought that might be kind of a cool one. Check out. Cool. Cool. Um, another one on here I see is the, uh, the fall of the house of Usher, the new uh, adaptation series by, uh, by Mike Flanagan, who also did a lot of those other uh, mm. series. Yeah, he's like on a roll, isn't he? He's got, he's got everything. Out. He's got something out every month too. It feels like. <laughs> and of course this this is the second kind of halloween release following i believe last year it was the midnight club came out around this time of year so uh, i haven't seen it yet i think it just came out right like a few days ago so yeah i watched um, my girlfriend i watched the first episode so. my girlfriend and i watched the first episode and it was it was pretty good it was a little bit hard to follow but i think that's you know the series you know it's going to probably unpack a little bit too but there's a lot going on in the first episode i think you like it a lot becca so um I know you like Poe. <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched it yet because I have so many other things going on, but it's definitely on my list because it is Poe. So there we go. <laughs> yeah, More Halloween. See, I think uh, Roger Corman did the the '60s classic, The House of Usher. So I'd be kind of interested to see the differences in the adaptations because I, I recently revisited The Haunting, which is of course based on uh, The Haunting of Hill House, the Shirley Jackson novel, and it's <laughs> interesting to see you know the similarities like the characters and some and some of the plotting, but. A lot of big differences too so it's kind of fun to see um the differences there so it'll be kind of interesting to see where where he takes them and kind of a too. fun fact uh mike flanagan loves bringing back his kind of recurring actors and everything too and we actually oh, have yeah. bruce greenwood as the kind of patriarch of the usher clan and carla gugino i think she's like a the base she's in every isn't his wife i think or, uh no yeah, i think a, that's that's the other one i think but i think they, they were the yeah. couple in gerald's game and she's yeah. so good. She's such a great actress. And she plays like this demon called, I don't think she's a demon. I don't know what she is yet, but she's called Verna. And she's like my favorite character so far because most of the other Usher family aren't really likable. So, but it's really well done. Looks, so far, looks so cool. Uh, another one on here, I believe it's a documentary, uh, Monster Inside America's Most Extreme Haunted House. Mm. I believe this is one you watched, right, Curtis? You've been deep diving into that haunted yeah, house. Yeah. So I kind of went down a, a rabbit hole. I've been looking into a lot of extreme haunts, which is like, uh, haunted houses but they go like a step further too like they have people getting kidnapped and beaten up and stuff and really stuff that i wouldn't want to try but i just i find it fascinating like why would someone want to do that too and i think it's a lot of time a lot of times it's like why you know you think you want to see like ghosts and things when you go on the tour and you actually see a ghost and you don't like it i feel like it's like that with that kind of horror but anyway the guy who runs it is really deranged he's like this ex-navy guy and this kind of look it kind of exposes him too he just like He's just not a good person to be to be short. 
and uh, it's a really interesting. He runs this like basically torture chamber out of his backyard, and people pay in dog food, and then they get like screened, and they go in for like ten hours, and they get tortured, and all kinds of things, and people get like yeah, really fucked up. But <laughs> um, it was a really good documentary. Uh, I've kind of fallen down the rabbit hole with how bad he is, and I've kind of been. I watched some other things too with with, with that he was appears in too, but really, really not a good guy, and. Uh, but really interesting documentary. So it kind of shows the gives the victims a voice too, which is good. But at the same time, you're like, well, you know, <laughs> it wasn't going to be a regular haunted house when you walked into it, you know? So like, I don't know what they were expecting, but anyways, really interesting documentary. Did you year. say that he's paid in dog food? It's like district. Oh nine. yeah. So they don't pay for the, <laughs> uh, they have a, a, a 50 page waiver. <laughs> you have to sign yeah. before you go in. And then uh, you don't have to actually pay for it too, so that's how he avoids legal loopholes, right? Uh, so you pay, he has like all these greyhounds at his house, so you pay in dog food rather than paying like a uh, monetary fee, which is really sketchy. <laughs> so um, yeah, not a good Scooby guy, Snacks, but yeah. Russ Russ uh, McCamey Manor, yeah, but really really interesting. If you go down that rabbit hole, what else? I'm looking got? at the. What else do we have? We have a, a Disney series, Goosebumps. Is this like the Goosebumps, R.L. Stein? That's R.L. Stein. He just turned eighty-two. Isn't that cool? Like, he still, oh he, my god! He still, he still looks like he feels like it looks like he still looks looks the same age as when he like wrote the books in the nineties yeah. <laughs> and the eighties. But yeah, he turned eighty, and they, this is another series. I think it's a Disney Plus series, and they had a previous series, you know, in the nineties that we all kind of grew up with. But yeah, I don't know. It maybe be really good, really bad, but kind of nice nostalgia factor. So I. I think that might be worth checking out. I had a whole bunch of horror movies. There were so many horror movies, but I, I had to kind of just you know, prune them a little bit. So there wasn't too many that we covered. Yeah, I, I did also want to note uh, the new Exorcist just came out. Exorcist. Oh yeah. Which I, I have heard some pretty bad things oh, it's, about it's it. Not but granted, it's not very good. It's not very good. A lot of the later Exorcist sequels, like I, I think the one by like Paul Schrader, Dominion, like that one's not a very good movie. So it does fall in the kind of tradition of. Of bad Exorcist sequels. And everyone said, a lot of them, everyone, though, are everyone said Exorcist 3 was really bad. And that was actually kind of an entertaining movie. It has Brad Dorif and that terrifying jump scare in the hospital. So, I mean, <laughs> they can oh, yeah. all be bad. <laughs> yeah, one of the all-time best. I think it's directed by David Gordon Green as well, who did all the Halloween, the recent yeah. Halloween films, So Which you're quite fond of, Curtis. You love all those sequels. You're Except for that, the Halloween kills. I mean, that, that one can go oh, it's in your favorite movie. What are you talking about? Oh, God. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> So the yeah the uh, other one other one I wanted to mention was um so John Carpenter's kind of risen from his uh, yeah. <laughs> director grave and Weed he's done do slumber <laughs> back from the ward yeah and he's done uh, he's doing a new series and he directed one episode I think and he's also executive producer it's called John Carpenter's Suburban Screams and he focused on kind of like uh, myths in the suburbia and stuff and more like true crime stories without a reenacted rather than kind of yeah. the usual the thing or something but. I, I heard it actually didn't have very good reviews, but I still want to watch it. So we'll see how that. Yeah, I'll watch it. Out. Yeah, I'm happy to see him come back. You know, he all he does is, is smoke weed and play video games, and watch basketball. So I'm very happy that sounds like who got to hang out with you know? <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like a great. Well, I don't know. Just don't talk about his movies because he'll just get grumpy. But other than that, <laughs> if, you, if you have if you have takes on on the Denver Nuggets, that he'll he'll be a good hang, I think. But Nuggets all day, every day. <laughs> Other points here I want to note, uh, Curtis. I think maybe you added this one about a game. I guess RoboCop Rogue oh, yeah. City. What's this about? Yeah, so there's RoboCop. a new there's a new uh, game adaptation of RoboCop, so the '80s film with Paul Verhoeven one. Um, and it, they released a demo for it. I think it's coming out the full game next year. 
the demo is humongous. It's 160 gigabytes just for the demo. So uh, a yeah. lot of people like kind of <laughs> nuked their system trying to, you know, download it. <laughs> and then <laughs> everyone said that it was like the, it, they kind of had, it was like a mixed bag. Like the Robocop looked good, but like his, the actor, his lines were really bad. And like the other, you know, sprites didn't look very good and it was kind of repetitive repetitive gameplay so i mean it's just the demo i don't know the terminator game that the same company made was actually really good so maybe this is just a misfire but i guess we'll see how it turns out does that does peter weller come back and voice robocop yeah he he plays robocop but people were saying his acting was very tinny and flat i mean he's really (laughs) old now but i mean like and he's it's a video game so i don't know what do you expect but yeah yeah i mean we had uh what's his name um the guy from blade runner um Oh, I can the Dutch guy, the Dutch guy. Oh, Ray Batty. Oh, but anyway, he was doing. Yeah, he he did a video game too, and actually, his like acting wasn't too bad. But I mean, it's weird. It's a whole new ball game with with voice acting. So, (laughs) yeah, certainly. Um, other things I want to mention. Um, I wanted to quickly point out. Um, rest in peace to Piper Laurie. Um, if you don't know, uh, she passed away. I believe yesterday. Um, well known for playing Catherine Martell in Twin Peaks. Uh, also had a pretty extensive film career, The Hustler, um, The Faculty, which I just saw pretty recently. She plays one of the teachers. And of course, she plays the mom in Carrie in one of the great, great roles. Um, I mean, she was a really great actress, had a very long career, started off as a young actress in the 1950s during the kind of end of the golden age of Hollywood. Uh, She was 91 years old. So rest in peace. Another Twin Peaks uh, actor passing away very sad um but she had a pretty great career and, and some and some good involvement in some horror movies too so um yeah rest in peace to her um what i've been what I've, i know I, I asked this two weeks ago curtis um but you know it is the halloween season it's it's october a lot of us are watching a lot of horror movies so i wanted to kind of ask the group uh what kind of spooky movies have you been watching yeah um, what have you been watching ryan and becca <laughs> we just saw, went to the theater for haunting in venice on how was it again it was really good. It was a lot of fun. Like a little whodunit murder mystery. Yeah. Um, I binge watched all the Resident Evil movies. Oh, nice. Uh, we, watched, <laughs> we watched Friday the 13th on Friday the 13th because yeah, we naturally. have to. Um, and I have a whole stack to go through, so I'm going to be busy for a while. We saw something else in theaters too, didn't we? We saw Haunted Mansion, but that was a couple oh, yeah. months ago. Yeah. So that still kind of counts. Mm, does yeah. It was close to that movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know it wasn't very well received, but I enjoyed it. You get a little bit more backstory into who haunts it and the actual inhabitants, whereas the one with Eddie Murphy, it wasn't so much. So it's kind of nice. But yeah, Haunting in Venice was really good. Yeah, too. I would recommend for just a fun, spooky murder mystery movie. It's yeah. kind of, is there actually like a supernatural? Well, I guess I don't want to spoil it. Is there a supernatural thing in it or is it just like the detective? I guess I don't, I don't want to give too much away, right? It's like... I, I I think that's part of the movie is, I mean, is whether no, or not it's real know. or not. Like it it yeah yeah figuring out if it's real or not is part part of the purposely ambiguous yeah yeah exactly yeah what did you watch John uh, yeah well I I won't go too long because I wasn't here last week uh, so I'll keep it abridged um, watched uh, the Lamberto Bava movie Demons it's an eight nineteen eighties Italian horror movie directed by the son of uh, Mario Bava one of the great uh, Italian film directors and it's a really fun movie I had never seen it before I had no idea what it was about but it takes place in a theater I think it's in I want to say they're in Berlin I think it's in Berlin they're in a movie theater um, <laughs> that happens to sit on this like almost like haunted site I, it has to do I believe the backstory has to do with like Nostradamus and his grave I don't that part was a bit foggy mm-hmm. but um, some woman ends up uh, accidentally cutting herself on something and then her friend goes to check on her and she's 
basically it's basically zombies they're called demons but she's all like you know dripping green goo out of her mouth and wants to bite and kill people and this plague starts to spread to the movie theater it's a total fucking blast this movie it reminded me so much of like so gory uh, return return of the living dead it has a very similar vibe um mm. also has a soundtrack with like teenage head alice cooper uh, motley crew um really great banger soundtrack um there's like a group of punks that kind of end up at the theater so again very much like uh return of the living dead um i really loved it it was a great vibe i would love to watch the movie actually at a theater with a group of people or at a movie night with friends because i think it would make for a really fun uh experience that way uh but yeah i really dug it um soundtrack as well by uh uh by goblin a uh, really great um performance and i, I bring oh, that I up love because some goblin just just uh two weeks ago i went and saw the goblin show at mayfair and it was oh, awesome it was a great time it was double bill right they played, it was a... well they played uh suspiria with the live music in the background which uh you know i'm always like i wonder how that's going to be but it was actually really immersive really fun it was really kind of uh, fun to watch the actual musicians themselves like set up you know uh like uh playing the keyboard and setting up the kind well, of it was it was actually and... goblin the goblin the band playing yeah Wow. And okay. uh, what was what was cool too is after the movie they still stay they still play like another extra hour. They played kind of like a medley of all of their soundtrack hits from like uh, opera uh, the from Demons, uh Dawn of the Dead. They even did a little cover of like Halloween and Exorcist. It was really fun. It was an awesome show. Um I I, went, I wouldn't say like it blew my mind, but like I I went into it, you know, thinking it was going to be pretty good and I actually really came away appreciating uh, just the talented musicianship in in the group, uh, especially this current iteration of it. It's really, really well done. Like all the other, like the the bassist and the and and the uh, drummer, really, really talented bunch. Um, and it was a great crowd. It was sold out. Tons of punks and goths and everything. Um, it was a great time. Um, had a, had a blast with it. Um, and uh, other a couple other movies I'll mention. I watched. Uh, been re I rewatched Hellraiser, the original Hellraiser. Oh, I hadn't so seen good. that movie in so long. Um, really fun about a woman who's horrendously down bad by an absolute dirtbag. Um, to the yeah, point where she's like, you know, a piece killing of people. <laughs> and, oh man, it's such a twisted, like psychosexual horror. I can't believe I like I think I watched it when I was like eleven or twelve. I would have watched it on tape. I don't know what I was thinking, but um it's it's pretty fun. I think the movie it, you see it's written and directed by Clive Barker, which is cool because I think he does a really great job at really trying to get what he's trying to say about about the kind of text itself out on the screen a lot of really great special effects work like the i think it's the the first sequence where he kind of rebuilds his body um it's really goopy and really slimy and like i don't know how they did that stuff but it's super fun watching it um but uh yeah i think the movie itself's pretty good it's a little bit I, I wouldn't say it's bad but it's a little bit slow there's not a whole lot of like pinhead and all those those guys i like the guy who's got like the chattering teeth he's just like <laughs> no, he i just love how goofy they all are and there's like the big guy with the sunglasses and they're just so funny um all the cenobites um but they don't really feature actually all that much in the movie um i think what people might not expect especially if they watched all those uh mostly terrible direct-to-video sequels uh that kind of get more into the mythology but um if you're looking for a for a good horror it's also a fairly like short movie i think it was only like 80 something minutes it's not that long um good characters as well too so what's fun to come back to it i know a lot of people prefer actually the second uh hellraiser that's a lot of people's favorite uh one of the series i like the one where they're in space i like the one where they're they're in space every horror movie once they go into space once they jump the shark and they're in space that's when you know you're gonna get something good leprechaun in space the best leprechaun don't forget did you watch the new one the new hellraiser 
I haven't seen it yet. So I, I've only watched the first three or four. I watched like the, the space one when I was a kid. And I think I watched one of the DVD sequels at one point. But otherwise, I'm a pretty a pretty big Hellraiser noob. So I'm going to have to catch up. I thought the I new like, like actress who plays because like it was a trans actress and she did a really good job in the role. Uh, I just I had a weird dream where like Benedict Cumberbatch was playing Hellraiser and I'm like, wow, that's actually really good. <laughs> in your dream. Was he chaining yeah. you up and everything? <laughs> he was like throwing hook with fish hooks at me. No, no, oh, no. Crap. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Uh, to keep it brief, uh, two other things I, I rolled out. Voice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I rolled out a couple of days ago. It was Friday the 13th. And, and I also went and saw, uh, I went to the Mayfair. They've been doing kind of a years long Friday the 13th uh screening series of playing the sequels each each iteration so uh this time it was jason lives the sixth one a lot of people's favorite one uh it's been a long time since i've seen it i i I remember loving it as a kid though like that movie and it kind of makes sense it's a very colorful movie it's kind of campy it has like a universal monsters kind of vibe like when he gets resurrected like frankenstein's monster and comes (laughs) out of the grave and there's all these like little like horror like a little fourth wall breaks like the the great the, the alcoholic groundskeeper just like looking at the camera and he's like some people have a sick sense of humor and you know the crowd we were laughing <laughs> having a good time um i i think i kind of prefer <laughs> the first three movies where it's a little bit more serious and like a little bit more like an exploitation movie um but it's a really great time fun fun time seeing it with the crowd um the story's really good i think it's like a well-directed movie like compared to some of the other ones which are more like just hang out sex movies where people just sleep and smoke weed and everything until Jason shows up and kills them. And then, you know, that's sort of the end of the movie. Uh, This one actually has kind of like a little bit of like a cat and mouse thing going on with Tommy's character, you know, trying to get to Jason and then the police getting involved. And it's, there's a lot of stuff going on. So that part's uh, pretty good. Um, I would say um, for some folks, especially if folks didn't like the, uh, the first few Fridays, they found them kind of too slow or too aimless. Um, some people might enjoy watching the sequels, the well, later got, like Paramount. Yeah, well, if you, get, if you like the weirdness of number four, you know, like you'll love number six. <laughs> well, especially number seven where it's Jason versus Carrie more or less. Oh that's yeah. Is that, fun. is that the, no, that the Manhattan's number eight. Cause that, and that was a fun one too. That's number eight. Yeah. <laughs> number eight. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I've been watching most of what I've been watching this week is the Saw series. So previously, I've only seen the first two Saw movies, the original and one in the sequel. Um, so me and my wife decided we're going to watch all of them. And we just finished Saw 6. Um, the Saw <laughs> lore is frankly just almost incomprehensible. It's so silly. Um, but yeah. I really I really did like Saw 6 a lot. And I actually like Saw 4 quite a bit. Um, I think it was 4. The no, ice, it was Saw it's 3. It's at the ice, ice Cube, isn't it? With the guy gets killed by the Ice Cube in Saw 4. I, I think so. But like, I think, I think I didn't like Saw 5 very much. Saw 5 was just like exposition dump, you know, exposition dump. It was just so much plot, so much of the police stuff. Uh, But I did really enjoy the the recent one I watched, number six. I thought it was kind of a bit of a return to form. Um, I I know people have kind of their favorites. A lot of people think they're just terrible, schlocky films. Um, People, you know, write them off as like kind of torture porn. But um, some of them are oddly not that bloody. Like the original Saw is not actually that gory compared to some of the other ones. You watch it, it's more of like a like a police thriller movie, you know. And, that, and a, lot, a lot of the sequels are almost exclusively focused on the police itself, including the one with, uh, you know, Luke from Gilmore Girls on the on the prowl trying to capture uh, what's his face. So, um, <laughs> Harry, yeah, Harry, I, I've been Harry enjoying Ellis. them. <laughs> I, I I have such fond memories of seeing the trailers for them in the theater, like when I was just finishing oh, yeah. high school and like Saw 3D. I just remember seeing the trailers for 
for them and and I, I was like i remember thinking like saw 3d like when are they gonna end this series it's gonna keep going yeah, and that Jigsaw's was like already dead you know? <laughs> so yeah it was 11 years ago and it's still going so who knows so maybe we're gonna get another decade of them but um yeah i've been been enjoying them so far excited to get to the newest one it seems like the saw 10 or saw x or whatever it's called it's been getting uh some buzz so um but checking that one out uh oh curtis what which uh horror movies have you been watching uh yeah recently? so i mentioned a few that i watched already uh just a few a couple that i wanted to add so i watched i started watching uh just before this actually it's called haunters the art of the scare so as i said i was still in the mckamey manor rabbit hole dive <laughs> so this is kind of really interesting it looks at uh the haunted house industry too and kind of extreme haunts which is what i mentioned too so just why people go to these extreme haunts and uh really interesting too just some people get really obsessed with these haunted houses and just make them scarier and scarier every year and then i started watching uh dark tourist on it's a netflix series it's only one season unfortunately uh-huh. it's with the a kiwi uh journalist uh called da- david farrier i think he's kind of like kiwi uh, uh louis through but it's really good he goes to like weird places in the u.s he didn't go to chernobyl sadly but um he goes to like places like finds the weirdest things like people who like go on who love like charles manson and stuff and he finds like these oh, extreme haunts and yeah, really, really interesting. Goes to Japan and goes to like the suicide force in a respectful way, but just like it's like the people he meets along the way too. And it's really interesting too. This other kind of side of tourism that you don't really hear about so much. And it raises all kinds of ethical questions. Like, is it okay to, you know, go visit, you know, the Manson murder sites, which I don't think is okay. But <laughs> I mean, these people like worship the ground that he walked on, which is really weird too. But yeah, it's it's a really interesting series. So uh, it's only one season. I think it's like eight episodes oh. so uh kind of some fun uh halloween lore too so that's that's everything i watched um this week and i guess we can get into the movie i guess which is ginger snaps from uh oh, 2000 yeah. so um i this is a very special movie for me as i said it's one of my favorite horror movies and it gets better every time i watched it so i used to i don't know but you you y'all but i used to see the vhs vhs cover at uh, barhaven blockbuster video so many years ago uh, but it really sealed the deal for me when i watched the mayfair theater with friends as a double bill with american psycho so it had teenage angst feminist allegories brutal werewolf scenes and two badass heroines obsessed with death but it was also a really darkly funny black comedy too so that's something i think that doesn't get mentioned as much too but what was your uh, first experiences with the film I guess maybe I'll I'll go quick. Uh, you mentioned Barhaven Blockbuster. That's probably exactly where I watched it from because I remember my mom renting this movie. <laughs> I think probably the year it came out back in 2000, 2001. Um, and I remember, I think you mentioned the notes here that it was kind of like a lesser known movie. Um, certainly in the United States, like this movie had really no buzz. But actually, I remember in Canada, there actually were a lot of like, ads i mean this got a prominent feature at blockbuster like there was a lot of people uh because it's a canadian release big film here uh that got that got some notoriety so i I remember watching it when i was very young and i grew up being a big fan of uh, american werewolf in london and late more more recently than that uh, the buffy series and angel so i was a big fan of those kind of material so i really dug this movie because it had kind of it touched it brought a lot of influence i think from like american werewolf in london the kind of practical effects of the werewolf and and that sort of story and also uh the teen stuff the gen x teen stuff reminded me a it lot even, of buffy, it even so. goes further than buffy too in some ways doesn't it it gets quite dark even for buffy you know yeah how about uh, ryan becca what was your experience with this movie you want to go first so um i can't remember if i saw it on tv or if my mom was watching it because my mom was the horror buff when i was a kid uh i just remembered the opening scene where the dogs torn to shreds and that was i was terrified of that scene when i was a kid 
because I wanted to be a vet. So I was like, I don't want to see that. But now it's like the polar opposite. That scene still kind of pushes my buttons a bit, but the rest of it's fine. But yeah, I can't remember if she rented it or if it was just on TV at the time, but I just remember the opening scene so vividly. So Yeah. I mean, what, do you, what about you, Ryan? For me, I, I don't remember the first time I saw it. I think Kurt was just like, you should, hey, Ryan, you should check this out. And I saw it like maybe a decade ago, like not that long ago, you know? I don't think I saw it back in the day. Hmm. Amateur. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I cool, forgot cool. to um, I have a little note actually too that I just want to read out really quick, but I just want to say it's a really beloved film in my collection and it just gets kind of better and better every time I watch it. It's so morbid and dark and, and goes to places that as John said, uh, Buffy the Vampire uh, was only willing to scratch the surface of, but it's a great feminist tale and it's a superb werewolf movie and there's a lot of bad werewolf movies too. So I did my master's dissertation on werewolves. So I always like really like the werewolf stuff. Uh, I love the performances from both leads and if you're Canadian, you'll appreciate lots of the cameos. So you have Rick Mercer and that guy from Maiden Canada. And the werewolf transformation scenes are hideous and terrifying. And I think it's also a commentary on STIs too. <laughs> a devastating ending full of plot yeah. twists and turns. And I really connect to this film because I, I, although I haven't lived as a woman, I know what it's like to be an unpopular social outcast one day and suddenly popular hot boy the next. And it's confusing, it's scary, and it's social awkward. So I think I really connected with those <laughs> ideas. I love the first sequel too. So there was two sequels to the film. One set in, um, it's like the, the next chapter with... Um, Bridget in the mental hospital and then the, th the next one is like both sisters and they're out of time and they're in the upper Canada village yeah. and there's werewolf tags. <laughs> yeah. Prequel is yeah. really fun. I would actually recommend it and especially again as a Canadian film it's, it takes place in like the early 1800s uh, in northern Ontario I mm. believe just outside of Hudson's Bay. It's a really interesting style of kind of sequel. Um, it's not like really it's it's the same kind of two girls the the two leads back in time and I, I think really the strength of this movie too is, is on the two leads like uh, Emily Perkins and Catherine Isabel are so great in this. And like, especially Emily Perkins, just she has just the like I think now she's almost like a Gen Z icon because she just looks so like grungy and ageless. And like her hair, her hair is constantly <laughs> obfuscating her face, and she just looks like so she's got those like, pretty, pretty grunge constantly. eyes too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what's actually cool too is that I believe Catherine Isabel and Emily Perkins are both from from BC and they both actually audition on the same day and actually kind of like i don't know i don't think they were best friends but they grew up went to the same school so they were pretty proximal to each other and, and, and you know kind of come up in this movie together too which is fun um and actually emily perkins is the older of the two even though she plays uh the younger sister even though she looks um, like folks will probably permanently 15 you know in this movie <laughs> yeah yeah cause she, i think she was 22 folks will probably remember her mo most from playing uh bev marsh in uh it mm -hmm. in, in the tv series yeah. Um, which she was, which she was great at. What you wanted, <laughs> um, but uh, I, I think you know the two leads. Like it's such a great um, story between them, and I love like how you know it captures the kind of moody goth vibe of like the the early aughts and like the late nineties. It's like kind yeah, of yeah, that, that new from, like, that awful new metal. The only thing I didn't like about the movie was that new metal soundtrack. I just I'm like oh. I don't like any song on here. But <laughs> yeah. we're not well, putting the, that as like, crap in the intro or outro. <laughs> it's like the post scream kind of vibe. It's yeah, like kind yeah. of more focused on that on that. But I, I really think like I like how they're kind of I mean, I like them, but they're they are kind of like unlikable characters. Like they're so yeah. like and there's no redemption. There's no there's no redemption arc or anything too, you know, because even like I mean, nobody likes Xander, but like nobody was supposed to like you know, you're supposed to like Xander and when you watch the nineties, you know. But like even like Cordelia, she's bitchy, but like we love Cordelia, you know, like in Buffy. But you know, here, yeah, they're kind of unlikable. Like you understand them, you care about them, but they're not really likable girls. <laughs> I like Sam. He's kind of like the yeah. like uh, 
Christian Slater from Heather's role in this movie. Like, I kind of yeah. liked him in it. He kind of takes an interesting like, yeah. story arc, too, because, like, you know, Ginger just hates his guts, too, but he actually does a lot to help out, you know, um, Bridget. I also really love Mimi Rogers in this. Loyal listeners will remember her from Ridley Scott series, Someone's Watching Me, playing one of the leads. But uh, she, she's, she's a mother? Really fun as the mom in this. Oh, the mother, yeah. yeah. She's the mom in this. And I, I love, like, the scenes between, like, with the mom and the husband and, and, the, and the girls, like, at the, the family <laughs> table. And I love how the dad is just, like so not involved like checked out, out of it and like the little like spats between him and the mom um and there's a great scene near the end um you know when the mom kind of breaks down in the van and talks about you know like this is my fault and he, she even says like we're gonna burn the house down and flee um you know so much of the movie's focusing on the girls but i also kind of in that moment was thinking about the mom too and like the role of like women in the household being like the mother figure and you know the father being kind of like checked out not involved in her having to be this kind of figure trying to connect with her younger daughters what they're going through with puberty um and having those issues too and in that moment when she talks about burning the house down and and bridge it's like what about dad and she's like oh they're gonna blame me anyway why not and i thought that was really kind of really pointed so yeah I that was really, it's, it's uh, that great black comedy like, kind of coming through again. The movie, I think. yeah yeah it's like it's that black comedy coming through too, because I think it's oh, like yeah. a lot of people overlook that black comedy aspect too. They're like, oh, it's a really great you know allegory movie, but there's also that kind of black comedy which runs throughout too. You know, like even if you watch a lot of horror movies where the high school girl dies in their house, like you know she hits her head and they have that. It, yeah, it's show. very deadpan. It's a lot of deadpan <laughs> humor, especially with like Bridget. Um, in the beginning with like the dog with the kid with like the hockey gear on playing with oh, the dog's name? Norman. Norman, Norman <laughs> yeah and I, I don't know like maybe it's just because I, I watched they it recently but I, I couldn't help I couldn't help but think of like of Lynch's like Blue Velvet the idea of like you know the idyllic suburb and kind of the infiltration of evil in the suburb and we see even like literally the white picket fence with her skewered on it and you know it's this typical like the first scene of the movie is literally like the camera panned out of this like gray dreary october november like ontario mm. southern ontario suburb and it looks so much of like what you'd find in like milton or or vaughn or, yeah, like, or even living like, in ottawa like, you'd like see hamilton or, or hamilton or something like suburbs yeah or it, ha- <laughs> it has that like cookie cutter canadian suburb vibe and GTA. i mean I kept, like growing up in the burbs obviously um but so much of it is just stuff happening in the suburbs, dogs getting torn apart and people being like, whatever, you know, I think about growing in the suburbs, especially in Barhaven, like stuff like that would happen because, you know, coyotes and stuff like that. So it's not atypical for, you know, pets and dogs to be found ripped to shreds or whatever. And no one would think really anything of it. They might think, oh, maybe there's a wild animal around. And you kind of see in this movie, the sort of similar thing is this beast of uh of the town that's stalking around and people are kind of whispering about it but yeah it's kind um, of a nice slice of canadiana isn't it like you get like americana but this is like so canadiana in so many ways too you know oh yeah definitely nature Um, too and before the opening scene too right like like, she's screaming because her dog's mutilated and the kids are like back to playing hockey yeah (laughs) (laughs) this nonchalant and then we get that we get that we get the, the the opening credits too and we get like those really morbidly you know very edgy <laughs> yeah, very yeah. edgy yeah. and i love the class is like laughing at the end the teacher's just horrified <laughs> i was honestly surprised with that scene because like if the teacher was so disturbed why didn't you shut it off at the beginning yeah. you know like, like why would you let the whole thing play <laughs> it'll get better don't yeah. worry <laughs> It'll pick up from here. Um, there was one point that Curtis said that I kind of wanted to add on to, and maybe this was just me making that connection. But in terms of like her going through, uh, Ginger going through puberty, my mind went straight to the Little Red Riding Hood 
because that's a story about going through puberty and that's why she's wearing yeah. the red cape. And that was my first association. And it just, I thought it kind of tied in nicely because it's a werewolf aspect to it. But yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a really good point too. Um, I also want to note just in terms of sort of the production notes, the director, uh, John Fawcett, um, one, it was really inspired to make like a really like a female focused metamorphosis horror. Um, and the screenwriter, Karen Walton, worked with him to kind of reinterpret the werewolf horror movie. Um, and it's cool that this is actually a movie written by a woman, too. Um, so it doesn't feel like men writing women horror or whatever. And you don't get a lot of that, those kind of negative tropes that you get with those kind of movies um, in this one. And as a result, it kind of this movie holds up very well, I think. I think it breaks the um, Bechdel test, too, doesn't it? I don't know. Maybe. Well, certainly, I mean, boys a little bit, but <laughs> it's more and more focused on themselves. It's like outcasts, I think. And like, yeah. you know, there's there's a, there's the coming of age stuff with the high school and how like, you know, the the werewolf, the lycanthropy, the, you know, becoming a wolf and, and the kind of association with with puberty and, and burgeoning sexuality as well, too. Like even the scene where she kind of creeps on her sister and you see the kind of waggy tail. There's a lot yeah. of like body horror stuff that, well, yeah, or you know, that puberty, guy like puberty in a lot of ways is body horror. You're, you're growing, your voice <laughs> is changing, you're growing hair in weird spots. Th things are happening to your body. So well, that's that, such an obvious association to make. And the movie does a great job with it. There was this like yeah. douchebag character too. And he gets like, kind of like the, it looks like herpes or something on his face too. And he gets like, Oh yeah. Like, acting or something. Yeah. I, I hated that kid. I mean, I went to, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> and I see what you said about STIs because when he's peeing and the like, blood's coming out, there's a little bit of yeah. that too. And you see Bridget's like you had unprotected sex with him. And it's like a monstrous a transformation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Um, and um, of course, the the movies they were inspired by when they were working on this, they mentioned American Werewolf in London. And I think you see a lot of that with this one, too, because even just sort of the way the movie kind of the story sort of starts out like an American Werewolf in London. They're kind of walking back, the two tourists walking back trying to find their way in the in the moor in the dark and all of a sudden the werewolf seems very sudden and very violent it's very much like that in this movie too where you almost don't you almost don't expect it to yeah, really happen that the way, way. Like the just... way it's edited too you don't really get a, like a still shot you just like get flashes and it's really quite it feels like you're being attacked by the werewolf <laughs> Yeah, and 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 the special effects are so good in this. Like it's it's so incredible. Like it's all practical wolf effects. Again, I wonder if they're oh, kind of inspired it's, by like it's the Rick Baker work in American it's disgusting Werewolf. Disgusting when London, when but... when Ginger transforms. It's it's disgusting. Isn't it? Like it's not like a nice you know romantic werewolf transformation. You get like it's the not gross... like a CGI fest. It's yeah, like, it, it feels very tangible too. And because you don't see the wolf a lot directly, it, it adds to the kind of horror aspect too. Um, well, I guess the the only. The only part that's not that is when the wolf gets hit by the van or whatever, that CGI wolf. That part's pretty funny. He just gets smoked <laughs> by the van. I also uh, want to but... add that I really loved about the movie that um, in a lot of movies like this, they look stuff up on the computer as soon as they start kind of piecing it together. But Sam knew right off the bat almost. He was oh, like, yeah. I'm thinking lycanthrope. And then it's like, <laughs> oh, he knows about this beforehand. And it's kind of a nice change in pace because every movie these days they're like like for example twilight she's like oh i'm gonna look up this and it's like okay it's just nice that some people have awareness beforehand and it's not it's like a bunch of high schoolers no one's yeah. heard of the werewolf before or something yeah so i liked that <laughs> yeah. much yeah that's a good point so many of these horror movies just spin wheels like trying to figure out what's going on and it's like mm -hmm. i think about that with zombie movies too where they're like what's happening and it's like there's no zombie media existing in this world. Like, no one's yeah. ever heard of like Night of the Living Dead or anything. And it's it's nice exactly. that they catch on right away. And and then the rest of the movie is really them trying to kind of figure it out as they're 
dealing with their sister's changes. And I really love the relationship between the two sisters here too. There's a lot there about um, Bridget being kind of the follower to Ginger and Ginger maybe having a lot of negative influence on her that we don't maybe necessarily suspect from the start. And then of course, as her sexuality develops too, we see the kind of differences where Ginger's almost like talking to her, like you're, you're jealous of me because I'm popular because boys like me, because you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more confident in myself and all that stuff. And, and, and you see the kind of, you know, the, the tension between them too, um, which is, which is adds a lot to the movie and it, it adds a lot to the heart of the film near the end as well too. when when things kind of go down as they, as they do. Um, it's quite a dark, but, uh, nihilistic ending, isn't it? Yeah. And I yeah, mean, like, I, yeah. I, I liked, uh, we'll talk about the ending, I guess a little bit later, but I love like, I think you mentioned the notes too, John, just like the characters too were so interesting too. Like the mother is so subversive and, you know, I don't usually like drug dealers, but I actually did care a lot about Sam. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I also want to note kind of a little trivia that actually Scarlett Johansson was originally offered the role really? of Bridget. But um, I can't picture her as an unpopular mother, girl. <laughs> her, mo- her mother didn't want her involved because um, before the movie came out, the National Post had written about the about a boycott of the film. There were a lot of people that this movie was really pushing the kind of Canadian censor boundaries. And a lot of people were very um, up and up in arms about it because, you know, a lot of Canadian films get you know funding from like telefilm canada and like budgets and and that's where the movie actually got some of its budget from and so there were a lot of people concerned about you know canadian taxpayer dollars funding a movie that's ostensibly <laughs> very influenced by like columbine and a lot of like high school violence and stuff like that i or think the, you can the moral majority yeah. stuff like <laughs> yeah well I, I think like the movie like the class of 1984 you see a lot of that kind of tradition of in the 80s and 90s of like violent high school movies and danger in high schools and you see a lot of that in influence in this one as well too um so there were some kind of con- there was a bit of controversy about that i thought that was kind of funny though that that's why her mom probably read that and was like this is sick filth can't be in this uh but it's okay to play a younger <laughs> film, uh, love yeah. interest in uh, a sophia coppola movie but nonetheless anyway um but i i really i really think like I just I just loved how how well this held up. I loved the kind of two characters in it. I love just the the really natural weaving of like coming of age and horror. Um, I think everything it I held think up that, was really well, except for the that soundtrack. Everything really held up. Well, I don't know. Some people like their new metal and their evanescence oh. and, and that stuff. So I don't know. You're it's making a comeback. Um, I'd say, but who does um, that? Yeah, <laughs> but um, I think there's there's also a lot of movies that I think were really influenced by this one too. I think of like Jennifer's Body, which came out a few years later. I think takes a lot of influence from. I think they might have even mentioned that outright that Ginger Snaps was a big influence. It's the scene um, where she's walking down the hallway that I think yeah. of because when Ginger's walking and Jennifer does the same thing, that's the first thing my mind goes to. Yeah, and uh, even like a lot of a lot of werewolf movies that came out in the two thousands, a lot of them we're a lot more focused on like practical effects work and stuff. I think like dog soldiers. Dog soldiers. If, yeah. If this movie had an influence, cause this predates a lot of those too. So dog um, soldiers was kind was of 2002, like return, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like a return back to the kind of traditional special effects garb and, and, and effects makeup for, for werewolves rather than, you know, just animation and CGI. And, you know, a lot of that helps to the horror again, cause you can really hide it and keep it in the darkness and stuff like that. But, um, really, really works to its credit. I think it kind of reminded um, me. I believe, of... Like actually, the special effects work so with like, get... what they did was really intense too. I want to get both your opinions. I really liked how in the movie it's not the traditional cliche, tired out tropes about werewolves. Like you need to kill them with a silver bullet. You need to kill them with this, or they do this or this, and you know it gets hit by the truck and it's dead. Or ginger, you know. So what are your takes on that? I thought it was because well it's done. not the tired out days. Yeah. Well, I, I thought it's kind of like self, actually very selfless. What 
what Bridget does because she actually, you know, injects the that loser guy first, the douchebag that nobody likes, <laughs> and that gets rid of his yeah. herpes or infection or whatever it is. And... <laughs> well, at the same time, it leaves it open ended too. You never know if if like if it fully works or not. It's yeah. kind of up to you at the end whether or not the cure works. Yeah, That's and the sequel kind the of. Sequel. Yeah, the sequel kind of skewers that a bit. I don't want to spoil it because it's not the topic of this episode. But the the sequel kind of is more like it almost has more of like a like a drug focus with the with the, oh, the hallucinations, Spain, yeah, and, yeah, and like having to take it recurringly. And amongst it, that was it. Yeah, I'm mixing up all my like uh, herbs, but uh, you know, <laughs> the, the, in that movie, it's having to kind of recurringly take it, and and you know, and, and there's a little bit of parallels with like um, drug abuse and stuff like that. So. Um, but I, I really like that the film doesn't focus on the traditional tropes. I think a lot of times when films like a lot of horrors with like vampires and werewolves, when they have the kind of list of, you know, you need your garlic, you need your crucifix. A lot of times there's a little bit of like a meta focus on it when there's discussion around, yeah. will this work? Will this not work? And you don't really get that in this movie where they're like, oh, we got to use this because of movies. It's a lot of it's just them um, doing the readings, doing the research themselves and and kind of finding that out. And also the angle of like making this kind of medicine and stuff has a little bit of more of a modern touch with like modern uh, medicine and infections. Again, with Curtis, what you're yeah, saying with, with, the, like, with the, the drug dealer. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot more of that kind of concern. You know, this is still like a decade plus of like AIDS hysteria and stuff like that. And I think there's a little bit of that concern in, in you know, remaining in this movie, too. Um, and it's also but, like it yeah. also kind of pl- t- plays into a little bit too, just how he becomes more aggressive, too. And he actually has these kind of symptoms of kind of, you know metaphorical sti or something too and it kind of plays into that a little bit maybe oh he's such a creep too he's like come to daddy or whatever like he's constantly oh, I got my eyes on fits yeah go stuff. away man go away <laughs> <laughs> stay with your other incels <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah a really a really great canadian cast too a lot of great performers and i had forgotten that like rick mercer had like a little cameo role um yeah in this too of course he's yeah. on the tv yeah uh, oh he's on the tele. Oh. that's right okay yeah t- He's oh, Peter the- Peter Kelligan. That's the guy I was thinking of. I think because he play he plays the that's teacher. The guidance counselor, I think. Yeah, he gets. Oh, that's te- the guidance, the guidance counselor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I really love the janitor too. I felt so bad for him. Oh, oh the janitor's the great. Janitor. And there's a little bit of like you know Ginger has is so protective, almost overprotective of Bridget, where she's like constantly like the, the janitor's creeping on you. And there's no evidence in the movie that he's actually creeping no, on he her. Seems like a with good Sam, dude, you know. Yeah. And even with Sam, too, you know, we see Sam, you know, Bridget immediately suspects that Sam, you know, he's older, like he's creeping on her 15 year old sister. And there's a lot of like internalized feelings of that kind of being expressed in, in kind of overprotectiveness of her sister. Yeah, it's like she's afraid um, of re- of her her sister, like reaching puberty and kind of enjoying those yeah. changes, too. Yeah, like she's going through puberty and she's like, you know, going out with boys now and that sort of thing. And but it kind of saving those feelings uh, it you know express them with bridget of like keeping her safe and protected almost again like her mom is doing with the two of them too um yeah i don't know i think it's i think it's a really great film in that regard i think like i love just the dynamic with the sisters and the way it handles um just puberty and coming of age i think it's a really like good movie i would i would imagine for a lot of like young women to watch growing up um outside of you know the gore and violence and all that but i think it's nice to have a film that yeah treats this material um you know seriously and even I think shows it's like very, period it's blood, very it's not, like for a women. huge deal either yeah they had that yeah. uh they had that article that i read too and i'll just read it really quick uh, from ghouls magazine said the film shows the hopelessness of being a woman or girl in a toxic setting. Ginger originally revels in her sexual blossoming, but she quickly sees that there's a big difference in what society accepts from teen girls and teen boys. And there's a lot of pressure for teen girls. And she says, despondently tells Bridget, a girl can be a, only a slut, a bitch, a tease, or the virgin next door to 
So I thought that was kind of interesting to just, you know, how much pressure these women have to face. And you really see it through their eyes, I think, which is really empowering. Um, what about you as a woman, Becca? Like as a woman, how did you feel about this film too? Did you feel it was very empowering to watch as a woman? I did, but obviously they could have gone about it. Like her as a character could have decided because Bridget sits there and says at a lot of points, like I'm cleaning up your mess knock it off type thing and she just keeps going and going and going but um so obviously ginger could have handled it better but obviously because she's cursed it's a bit difficult but i think it touched on how women are labeled in a setting like that i think it's very well done i mean because it's still prevalent to this day and i'm sure Mm -hmm. men can say the same thing to an extent with the labels they receive but i think it was touched on really well and it can be empowering, but like at the same time, do you want to be a killer? Do you really yeah. want to kill people? <laughs> I, I can be a werewolf and not kill people. <laughs> well, I think as well, it's interesting that <laughs> the movie empowers women without diminishing the fact that men as well. Like mm-hmm. Sam is still yeah. a really strong supporting character as well. Yeah. He's yeah. absolutely his own. It's funny that the drug dealer is the one you sympathize with and not. <laughs> yeah, not like, any... yeah, I not like anyone that. else in it. Yeah. It's like um, a good picture. Like so they, up... they, they should have legalized weed, yeah. you know? Like. <laughs> I like that you brought up the kind of, you know, some of the little bit of the problematic elements, like with Bridget and, and, you know, she's constantly like talking about how it's all Ginger's fault and kind of blaming her. And, you know, it it works because they're young teenagers and, you know, we're not expecting them to be, you know, have the best, uh, you know, total moral sense. But there is a lot of stuff, like I think of all the edgy stuff of like self-harm. I would wonder if how that would be depicted in a movie today, like the scenes where she's, you know, goes to cut her tail. It's pretty extreme and pretty violent, but I, I mean, it does express a lot of, sentiments of you know coming of age and the, and the and the feelings you might have of shame of your own body and, and the self-harm you might inflict on yourself uh dealing with those feelings so um but i do think it's pretty extreme to see in a, in a movie like this uh, a lot of more movies that are in this realm of kind of coming of age horrors now i feel like they have a lot more uh, sensitivity around the stuff they show with with like kind quite, of violence and sexuality it's quite in time, like where she becomes more sexualized too she also becomes more monstrous too so it's interesting how those kind of ideas are kind of entwined and go, feed off each other as well yeah um there's some pretty heavy suicide ideation right at the start too yeah yeah definitely trigger warning with that i don't know if you you've watched the um movie the company of wolves the ad- ad- adaptation of angela carter's the bloody chamber but the transformation scenes kind of reminded me of that a little bit a little bit different than um, that movie, but there was kind of similarities in the American Werewolf in Paris or American Werewolf in Paris. Yeah, not, not the... Paris. That yeah. was terrible. That movie yeah, I, I always get them mixed up. The London one, the London one. Yeah, not the Paris. <laughs> not the Paris. We don't want to talk about Paris. Here. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, well, I guess now in Paris it'd be all about bed bugs, right? Like that's yeah, that's that's another uh, nightmare. That's blood hunter. <laughs> oh yeah. fuck me. <laughs> Yeah, Curtis, did you have anything that, else? So. Curtis, did you have anything else you wanted to mention? Or because I know this is like one uh, of your all-time favorites. Yeah, yeah. That we, uh, didn't bring up that you want to. I think I covered out? most of the thing too. It was just kind of interesting too. Again, with like the idea of menstruation too, that ties in with like the sexuality and the the monstrousness too. I wanted to talk about too about um, some of the influences too. So it felt like there was kind of a heavenly creatures influence. So that's the uh, Peter Jackson film uh, based on a true story with Kate Winslet, where the two girls kill their mother at the end too. They're in like a um, in a implied homosexual relationship in this very repressive 50s culture and at the end they kind of killed the mother too and i thought that was kind of an interesting bond because there was kind of a similar 
homosocial bond with the sisters. Kind of a Cronenberg entrance influence too with the body horror too. So drawing, you know, going back to more Canadian stuff too. And um, yeah, I want to talk about the ending too. And I think it's okay if we spoil it too, because it's quite a bleak ending, isn't it? I felt very nihilistic to me. Uh, I loved it. But um, what did what did all of you think of it? Hmm. Who wants to go first? You guys can go. <laughs> it's a stage for this the next movie. Okay, I think you can go first. You can go first. Well, well like, like I said, it, like you don't know if the cure works. Um, just oh, you, 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 oh, you do and, know because yeah, you don't second, know the, like, sec like, the second movie. You see, you see, you see what if the cure works or not. But yeah. I guess but if you had yeah. no knowledge well, of the within the context line. of the first movie, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's pretty bleak, and like the mothers are the picture. You don't know what happened to Buddy who got the cure. Um. Sam's dead. Yeah, everyone they've interacted <laughs> with is, is dead as hell too. Yeah. Um. So you wonder if you know the mom's gonna fall through and and blow up the house after all. The, the dad's still completely out of the picture. He's so, too busy snacking on his chicken. Yeah, wings, it, it's bleak know, and it's... The, it, there's a lot of direction. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think, John? Yeah, well, I think Ryan. I think Ryan kind of summed it up about like just the the kind of ambiguity of the ending. And I thought about that, especially watching this, especially like again, so much of the movie is them avoiding the guise of the parents. And, it, and there's a little bit too about parenting because we see that Bridget tells the mom, you know, she thinks you're really cool because you kind of let us figure out our own stuff, and you see her kind of proud of herself. You know, it's been really hard doing it, but I'm really happy. And there's a little bit of almost like the opposite of helicopter parenting in this, where it's almost like. The lack of the intentional lack of involvement to not be that person is is what's instigating a lot of all the stuff that's happening in the house and everything. And um, yeah, I thought about that too. The ending where there's a boy butchered in their basement and their yeah. sister's a dead dead werewolf, you know. And of course, with like her body, sister too, body parts in, in the shed, yeah. gets infected at the end too. And again, is there's no it's it's unclear if she's going to heal herself or there's what. No redemption. They're um, just like her, and her it's with like, a dead sister. <laughs> It's really, again, at the beginning of the movie, it shows we see the idyllic suburb and, you know, we see the elements of like families and playing field hockey and stuff. And it's just like we we're we're waiting for the shoe to drop after this movie where everything's going to come crashing down. All the, the death and destruction is going to get revealed and how that's going to destroy the family. And it's it that, that element of waiting for that to happen and that not being clear is, is so horrifying of itself, too. Um, one other thing I did want to touch on too was just the the bullying aspect too. And I was, I mean, some of these bullies are quite nasty. Like the Trina Sinclair, she was terrible. Like it was like oh Stephen God. King level bullies. And I, I mean, it, I think this movie really shows to how you know intensive it can be for you know teenage girls like with bullying and stuff too. And I mean, Ginger holds her own pretty well. But I mean, like for Bridget, it's kind of a rough deal. And then like Trina comes to their house later on. Like what the hell? And uh, it's really intense. But I think it works really well as kind of a hyper-realistic kind of portrait of, you know, bullying. Yeah, well, the, I liked how real they were. And, and honestly, again, the girls are almost a little bit like bullies themselves. Like, we see them, like, joking around about yeah. the girl and talking about how, like, she's, like, uh, you know, she's going to die and she's on pills. And, like, they're kind of shaming her and, and her how she looks and all that. And, you know, you kind of realize, like, these girls, you know... Uh, they're they're also a little bit unpopular for a reason because they're kind of just like misanthropes <laughs> who fucking hate everyone and, <laughs> and judge everyone just as much as everyone they're supposedly like, they're judges them. They're like the black them, metal so. girls. <laughs> yeah, but I liked how kind of natural that the other kids were. Like they're they're bullies to an extent, but they're not like some of the bullies you see in movies where they're just total maniacs and torturing. Like they're they're like bullies, but they're kind of like normal teenagers at the same time and even that kid at the end or the the boy who gets like i already forgot his name is it uh not tyler it's from another movie but Jesse, when he gets injected yeah when he gets injected with the serum to kind of heal himself the way he just sort of 
bolts up all right he's like i gotta go home and there's a little bit of like he's just like he's just some dopey kid survivor's guilt yeah (laughs) he's not this big bad he's just some guy living on your at the corner of your street or something plays hockey like he's just some kid Um, and i kind of kind of kind of fun to see that on a trick-or-treater yeah (laughs) Um, and it's so funny it's the way it's shot too it's a lot of like dutch angles and like the kids being shaken it's like help me and like i I loved a lot of the kind of little camera tricks like that it's kind of it's very deadbeat a little it's very stilted with like kind of with the humor of it too um everything everything works so well with it's just a nice halloween treat isn't it (laughs) it's a good it's a good halloween horror actually i was reading a thing recently about people are talking about you know, there's a lot of horror movies out there. People watch horror movies during the Halloween season, but someone was saying, they're like, you know what? The Shining is not a Halloween movie. It's a movie you should watch in like February. And they said this about the thing too. And I, I, I don't, I'm not here to be like, you should only watch certain movies certain times, but like, otherwise it's not allowed. <laughs> I did think there was kind of a bit to that. Cause I'm thinking like this movie has such autumn vibes. It has such a feeling of the kind of Halloween season and uh, their point was like, if you're going to watch a movie during Halloween, it has to have a little bit of humor, a little bit of goofiness, a little bit of silliness. And you do, this isn't a silly movie, yeah. but there's a lot of humor to it. So I think that kind of helps. Um, so this would be a really good uh, Halloween season movie to watch for, for that reason. It's good for spooky, sp- the spooky canon for sure. So I think uh, that's everything I wanted to say. I guess we can go to our reviews. So obviously for me, everything holds up so well. I, I have one more point on, on the moment, oh, yeah. actually, for a second. Go yes. Say so, yeah, I, I know that I don't. It's just warrants a little more discussion because I think she she tries so hard. And we're saying like the scene where, um, she's talking about like the the woman issues with with the daughters. She gets this huge bowl of cookies and gets oh, a yeah, glass milk. of milk, or like, yeah, <laughs> or like when she like finds the uh, the fingers and she goes and puts them in a nice nice little Tupperware container. And you see her turn it four times and struggle with the fourth corner. He was really fixated yeah, on yeah. that, by the way. He was like, it's so accurate. Yeah. <laughs> this is the key to the movie. You're like, this is an ox everything. <laughs> yeah, but it's a little bit of like the The only other thing I would want to touch you know? on, and it pertains more to the... Sorry? Yeah, for sure. Um, but with the ending, I he was really fixated on the unfinished room, but I think it added to it in that final like shot where she's lying on top of Ginger because it kind of looks like a prison. And because yeah. they're so codependent, I thought that really tied in because it's kind of like they're each other's prisoner, if that makes sense. Well, it's kind of a metaphorical death. Time, it's kind of a I'm metaphorical like... death too, isn't it? Because like they shared so much together that it's like killing a part of her. Yeah, and I, it seemed to me, and I can't remember what other movie it is, but every person that Ginger goes after is somebody who picks on Bridget. Yeah, pretty true. much because she goes well except for maybe the boyfriend. Mind, yeah. yeah but she didn't like the janitor because he was a creep so she went after him she went after sam because she didn't approve of sam the cheerleader the cheerleader so like a lot of her kills were people who were picking on bridget and another movie there's probably several but there's one that i have in mind and i cannot for the life of me remember what it is but it's it shows how close they were Oh, cool. Because I mean, even when she was in werewolf form, she didn't attack Bridget until you know Bridget tried to totally rejected all her real values. Yeah, yeah. To the By point the of way, the, blood the when the she has the white wig and the eyes, yeah, yeah, that was really good. <laughs> but yeah, when she has the eyes and the total white hair, the the makeup work oh, on the that forehead thing, yeah, with the forehead and the eyes, like the wolf looking eyes, it was amazing for that time. That looks really, really, good. really well done. I'm glad that they avoided a lot of the CGI because yeah. I think like things like that still hold up pretty well too. 
And I, I think it took like two, five. three hours to do that makeup. Actually, I was reading like it took quite a while because, again, the, the downside of using traditional makeup and effects is, it, you know, the, the amount of labor you have to do to get it, you know, wake up in the morning, get it all set up just to film a, a few scenes. A lot of work, but it really pays off. It looks really great. It's I think really Catherine cool Isabel is such a cool actress, too. Like, I, I really liked her in Hannibal, the series, the TV series, too. So, oh, yeah, she's yeah, been in really a lot cool. of things. <laughs> she's uh, she's in a lot of like television series. Yeah. Hannibal amongst them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's everything. I really I liked her in Freddy versus Jason. I know not everyone liked. Oh that. yeah, oh that's a good movie. Yeah. And uh, American <laughs> Mary, I loved American. That's a good Mary. movie too. Yeah, so many good ones. <laughs> well, I guess we can go to our ratings then. Um, I I um I gave it a five out of five. I loved everything about it. One of my favorite movies. Everything holds up really well, as we said too, and just uh great to watch. Every time you notice more things, it just kind of gets better and better with every rewatch. Fun to see it in the Mayfair too, if you get the chance in Ottawa. Um, what about you, Ryan and Becca? I'd say probably five. five? I'd say four point five. Hmm. What's the holding back? Okay, no, the only thing that holds me back is because I'm one of those people that always has questions. And again, if you don't realize that there's sequels and stuff, like for example, I know we kind of touched on they don't hold the traditional values of being a lycanthrope, but it's like okay. The original died. First of all, who was the original? That's one of the things that bothers me. And two, if the original died, why didn't the curse end? You know, it's stuff like that. I tend to overthink you have and to watch overanalyze. The second movie. You have to watch so the second movie just... to find out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really good. So, I really like the, I don't the, know. The, the it's like, back. I like. Yeah. I saw the one where it's them in the past. I don't know if I've ever seen the second one. <laughs> Sequence really good. I really Ironically enough, but yeah, I just yeah, I just like to kind of sit there and go like, okay, but I don't understand this, so why did they do this? Like, you know what I mean? I try to get inside the characters' heads. What about you, John? Oh yeah, easy five bagger. This movie rules. <laughs> uh, holds up well. Great horror. Great coming of age uh, horror. Uh, great feminist slants. Um, really great. Uh, also suburban horror a little bit too. I've been on a big kick of watching these kind of like uh, <laughs> suburban horrors of like uh, even stuff like Tim Burton's early stuff. Uh, like the faculty. Hands. I, there's a lot there. Yeah, the faculty. More high school, but yeah, a little bit of that too as well. Um, and yeah, this is also a bit of a high school horror. Me too. I've, I've been hooked the, on Buffy again. School. I've been watching so much Buffy too, and I'm so hooked on this. 90s stuff and, and actually and actually i watched this it's on uh the criterion channel right now because they're doing a high school horror um playlist or, or collection i've watched a lot of them most of them already but um this is this was on there so you know it's it's so good it's it's part of the criterion collection for god's sake uh great characters great cast very canadian i love that canadian to early 2000s suburban vibe i I think if you grew up in that kind of environment, you can really connect with the movie a lot. Um, and yeah, I just think the practical stuff's really great. Um, and again, quick shout out. We, we already talked about them, but yeah, definitely check out the sequels. I think they're quite fun. The second one's got, it got more of like a, again, like a drug focus with the taking the, the medication. Yeah, hallucination. I think, I think uh, Tatiana Maslany, she plays one of the characters in it, Ghost, and she has like a big role mm. in it, kind of a young role for her. And the, the prequel, the Ginger Snaps Back, is really fun takes place in a atypical setting in like in the 1800s and early settler kind of Canada really kind of cool 
uh, setting for a movie that you don't see very often in horror. Um, a lot of folk horrors tend to be, you know, American releases take place in, you know, the United States, uh, Salem, Massachusetts, stuff like that. But really cool to see kind of like a Canadian folk horror. I thought that was really great. Um, I too, but they never made a sequel or anything like that. But um, I think I think the director went on to do Orphan Black, and a lot of the cast member I think touched. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's the star. Cool, of that. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. So um, yeah, I love it. Five bag, easy five bag, good movie, great movie. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good rating too. So four point. Thanks for doing the match, John. Four point eight seven out of five, which is a big recommend from us. So do check it out if yeah, you get definitely. a chance. And we've got more spooky stuff coming up. So next week we have Simon's Pick, which is a Slither, which you may have heard of. Um, so definitely check that out. And then I think we have uh, we're going back to our Halloween series where we're doing Halloween H two O, and then we're pouring into. H2O. Yeah, we're doing <laughs> Halloween water. Revisits. My wife was like, "Why is it H two O?" I'm like, "Oh, it's like 20 years." She's like, oh, okay. She thought it just thought it was water. Like, water, like spooky water. <laughs> we're gonna like, pour like... some water on Michael Myers this year and see if he goes away. <laughs> Yeah, but, and then we're gonna uh, yeah. we're gonna have more stuff in November too, right? So stay tuned. And uh, thanks to Ryan and Becca for joining us today. So it's great to see you both. Yeah, great to be back. Yeah, thank you for having us. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll see you. We'll see everyone next time. And have a great uh, stay spooky and stay uh, safe. <laughs>